0: How many of you that is true, that your big fat mouth gets you in trouble sometimes, right? Every single one of us has a story about that. Hey, uh, last week we kicked off this series that we're kicking off the new year with called I Declare War, based off uh, the Bible, but putting together with some ideas from a pastor in Montana named Levi Lusco. and it has been challenging, it's been good, it was a great start last week as we talked about our thinking Um, you know, these different three doors up here of the things that block us in from being who God called us to be. So we talked about our thoughts last week and this week I wanna talk to you about the words you speak as you see there on the video. Um, So we all say things at different times and I wanna totally shift the subject here. How many of you, uh, how many of you ever traveled with boys on a long-term trip, long ride, long, long road trip, right? Boys are quite different in the car than girls And um, especially when they're younger, when my two boys were younger, I think their bladder was the size of like a tablespoon, right? Anybody else been there? It's like, it feels like every 30 minutes, it's like I have to go to the bathroom. And so along the way, as parents, you get creative because... We have family that lives in Ohio. We have family that lives in Georgia. We typically drive down to Florida. You get creative, and you tell the boys that their anatomy helps them to be able to utilize a water bottle in the car so we don't have to stop, right? I'm getting a few shaked heads there. Yeah, we've taught that. So um, one of them, like, that became their favorite part of the trip. It was like, you know, it was like, this was an adventure. Like, they had to go to the bathroom even more, right? And so this was introduced to them along the way, and um, so I think it was about three Three and a half years ago, we were taking our trip down to uh, Florida. Got a lot later start than we had ever intended on getting on the road, and uh, we're on that torturous part of Illinois 57 South, where you're just like cornfields, cornfields going forever. I think we stopped for for Wendy's down like Mattoon area. Stopped there, got dinner, you know, and it's vacation. They, bribed me for, dad, can we get a Frosty? Can we get a Frosty? Like, yeah, it's vacation. You can get a Frosty. So we got those junior Frosties going in the car. And again, we're in the car for 15 minutes after, even I told everybody to use the bathroom, before we left, right? Before we leave the restaurant. We're making the long-term drive here, right? So 15 minutes in, one of water has to go to the bathroom. We don't have any water cups at this time. We just have our big cup that we got, like water bottles with a lid. We just got the cups that we got from Wendy's nancy helps with that process there and uh so we're finally in the zone like that finally that road trip zone you know you get in the zone it's now getting dark kids are settling in it's quiet i think i got on the phone call calling some people from church making sure everything was covered while it was gone covering up some fine things everybody's getting quiet and while i was on the phone unbeknownst to me is nancy was kind of straightening up the car she doesn't like a cluttered car so she decides to to pour some substances together some melted frosty and some deposits that our sons had made into a cup together and now we have a minivan and a minivan it's amazing how many cup holders are in a minivan like I honestly count there's 16 there is in the door there's in the back door there's in the back cup holders this one's for the kids there's four right here another two right here it's kind of dark all this stuff Nancy puts this combination of melted frosty and the boys Yes, stuff there together in the cup holder closest to me. Not only does she put it closest to me, she doesn't mention anything, and there's a straw in it. (laughs) Uh, And you guys know where this is going, right? I, I hang up my last phone call. I go to take a sip of something, and... I did not cuss in that moment. There was not even <laughs> words that came out of my mouth. It was more just a, uh, this <laughs> groans were coming out and <laughs> of, a, of a substance of frosty and whatever else was in that cup. And, and Nancy looks at me and goes, I'm, I'm. And she tries to say she's sorry, but she can't stop laughing with how hard she is laughing at me. The kids are kind of awakened from whatever they were busy doing and they, they catch on what's going on and they start saying, do it again, do it again, <laughs> do it again. They want me to do it again because they missed the first initial reaction of that terrible moment. I told a friend that story like shortly after and he's like, you got to use it as a sermon illustration. And I was like, I am not using that. that. was horrific. That was, it took me three and a half years to be able to share that story, to get over the drama of that situation. Because, I mean, it was just hor- I think I got off the next exit. I was ace for with the plunger, you know, on the mouth. And I did get my toothbrush out of the back and brush my teeth before we got on down the road. So with all of that in mind, turn with me to Matthew, <laughs> Matthew 15, verse 10 words of Jesus says this right here. It is not that what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Jesus says it's not that frosty combination that defiles you. It's not those nasty things that you eat that make you sick. It's actually the things that defile you. It's not anything you eat or drink. It's the words that actually Come out. It's the words that come out of your mouth that defile you more than what goes in. So, as I said, last week we talked about our thinking. This week we are moving it towards a little bit further down from our brain to our mouth and the words that we say and the power of words. And that sometimes we've talked about in this series that we can be self sabotaging to the vision that God has for us to who he's called us to be, to, to who he has designed us to be. And we can stand in the way with our minds, with our words that we speak, of preventing the, those things that God wants to see, those purposes that he has for life. So that's why we're declaring war on the lies that we bought him. We're declaring war in our greatest battle mind is what happens here, and then what's just connected to coming out of our words. Because words... As we all know, our big fat mouth has gotten us in trouble at different times, and it can be self-sabotaging of what we do. Experts say that we use about 5,000 words per day. On average, you use 5,000 words per day unless you are an eight-year-old kid that just wants to use all of those words all the time and explain everything. And, And our daughter, when she was younger, it was like exhausting, right? How many of you have that person... But on top of the 5,000 words that we use every day, experts also say that is only 7% of our communication is the words themselves, exactly. I said that to Nancy in the car the other day and I was like, see, you just told me, very interesting. She didn't say a word and her facial expression, your body language, your text, your email, all your other ways that you communicate all those, that, 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 that face that you show, those, those expressions, they communicate also. And that's why Man, that's why we live in this time. And maybe there's more drama than there was in other times. Maybe there's more family drama because of text and emails and Facebook comments and all this. Because we're not sharing the facial expressions, the body language, the tone is misinterpreted so much. That's why, that's why they make these emojis and use them for a reason. I put a smiley face on everything just so people know I'm happy, right? Because my text can sound like I'm not a happy person. Right? So we've been given this incredible power, this incredible responsibility of communication, and yes, our words and and yes, our body language, and yes, our facial expressions, and yes, how we, how we text and how we email and all this stuff, but we can say that our words are weighty. Can say that with me? Words are weighty. All those words that come out of your mouth, the ways that you communicate. Listen to what else Jesus says about the words that we speak. In Matthew 12, uh, verse 33 and 37, he says this. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Jesus is most out of warm-up of a crowd, right? You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things. From the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words, listen to this, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Wow. Wow. Jesus, that's intense. Jesus, that's pretty heavy, right? It's all right to, to feel the weight of the words of Jesus. It's all right to say, Jesus, that's intense. How do I do this? There's, there's, God has given us this great gift, this great ability to communicate and to use words and to use it for good and not for evil. He says, one day you must give an account, a judgment for every idle word you speak. There is going to be a day that you stand before God and you are held accountable, the scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, for every word that we say. Now to make it clear, this is not about you getting into heaven, but this does, I believe, you can differ with me, but it is about your placement in heaven. We get into heaven by grace alone, by faith alone, by what Jesus Christ has done. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He makes our way there. But once we are there in heaven, God has work for us to do. He has places for us to do. He has jobs for us to do. And essentially, as you read through scripture, you see that there's these, these it doesn't end when we get to heaven. He still has good works for us to do. And how we are held accountable and this judgment that of what we did with what we were given here helps determine what we do there. There will be reward. This is this idea of these rewards in heaven even like even to the clothes that you wear in heaven like what really yeah revelation 19 says this in heaven are wearing the righteous acts of the saints you're wearing the righteous acts of the saints so one person once said of like we are weaving on earth what we'll be wearing in heaven that what we do in this life as believers, as ones that have come to the acknowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, does matter, does have eternal implications, eternal value. So there is a connection about the words that we say and when we stand before God. And know you're like, whoa, that is heavy. But I mean, and I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what that moment's going to look like. I mean, if Jesus, if God's going to be standing there and being like pulling up the screen of like, hey, you want to talk about that day that you like unrailed on, the, on that person that you love? Hey, you, you, want to talk about, you want to talk about this text that you sent to your sister? You want to talk about this email that you copied all these other people on that you berated here? You want to talk about these social media comments that you put down here? You want to talk about that? And like, you want to talk to you about your social media account? And you're like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to bring that up. I don't, I don't want to bring that up right now, God. And he's like, no. You're like, no, that was a story. Those disappear after 24 hours, right? And he's like, no, those don't disappear. Your Snapchat doesn't disappear. He still sees it in eternity. And I don't think, I, listen, I, I don't think it's with this harsh eye that he's going to be, like, looking at you and you're going to, like, feel condemned. But it's this thing of, I gave you a gift and what did you do with the gift that I gave you? I gave you words. I gave you facial expressions. I gave you ways that you carry yourself in this world. What did you do with what? And, and, and I feel like almost it's more going to be like on us of like when we're standing before the glory of God and who God is and how powerful he is. We want to like, man, I want to give you something back, God, because you gave it all. I want my life to be some kind of reflection of how good and great you are. Eugene Peterson, who just passed away not too long ago, a few years before he passed away, he gave us the message translation. He says this in that verse: he "says Every one of these careless words is going to come back and haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning." Man, our words are weighty. Our words have power. Our words are important of way and how we use them. And so many of us, listen, there's got to be a connection. We are Jesus, be Lord of my heart. Jesus, be Lord of my heart. If He's Lord of your heart, He needs to be Lord of your lips also. He gets all of it, He gets every single part of you. Lord, be Lord of my life. I also need to be Lord of my lips too. Everything. God has designed us with these words and the way that we communicate is to bring life and not death is to bring praise and glory to God and not to bring hurt and destruction. And so I wanna talk three different points for you to write down, for you that are note takers to write down your notes. Got three today. Woohoo! All right, here we go. Three ways for you to just feel the weightiness of the words that you are given to speak. Number one, your words impact other people. Your words impact other people. The way that you use them, that allotment of five thousand words a day impact other people in your life. Look at Proverbs 18 says. It says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Love it. You choose. Don't let don't let don't let others choose for you what you do with your words, if they're if they're life or death. Don't let your circumstances choose whether they're life or death. No, you choose. You're choosing whether you're going to spit venom or you're going to speak life. You choose which way it's going to do. It's in your hand. When you open your mouth and you say, like, am I going to give life or am I going to give death? What ways am I going to speak how God has called me to speak? And You know, we have our men's thing next weekend, but I want to speak to men for a moment because men are bad with words. We don't use enough. I don't think we use our 5,000 words in a day, right? Like, we we, we don't use as many words. We get a lot in our head a lot of times. and, And maybe you, maybe some of you guys are like me and connect to me. It doesn't come naturally, or it didn't come naturally. I'm a work in progress. God is still working on this, still stretching me. It didn't come naturally for me to use loving and doting words and words of affirmation just to flow out of me, All right? And and you might be like, it wasn't a family thing. It wasn't. It wasn't demonstrated. You know, like our family didn't say we loved each other. We just knew we loved each other. We'd let you know if we didn't love you, you know? Like maybe you come from that kind of background and it's, you find it kind of odd and kind of awkward to, to say doting, affirming, loving things. And I've shared this with you guys before, but man, when we first, me and Nancy first got married, this was, um, we haven't had many challenges, but this was one area that I had to improve on in my words of affirmation because I could be in my head And think it, but it didn't come out here. So we don't, today, don't just think it. We talked about last words, our thinking. Don't just think these good things. Actually say it. Don't just think it, but say what you're thinking. I don't know if you've ever been like that. Man, if you're like this, like, hey, we're going out on the night for a date. She comes down. Nancy's beautiful. She's the, the woman that I love, the one that I chose, and she's dressed nice. And I'm like, wow, doesn't she look nice tonight? But there's a babysitter coming and giving instructions, and there's noise here, and all this stuff. And I don't even say what I'm thinking. I don't give the compliment in that moment. Or I even, I th- even before, like, did I tell you you look nice today? I thought I did. It must have just been up here in my head. Anybody relate with me? Like, we just, like, get stuck in our heads sometimes, like, to voice it, to say it out loud. And so I've had to improve in this area. And what was, Get yeah, that family connections is a big thing because I, I'm telling you, the differences between my family and Nancy's family and the two families coming together were drastically different, drastically, amazingly different. If you've met my father-in-law, Pastor Mark, when he's come here, words of affirmation just fall out of his mouth without even trying it's like i mean he comes over for dinner sitting down for dinner and he's like Guys, it is so good to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to being with you. I've missed you so much. Nancy, you are just so beautiful. I am so proud to call you my daughter. Damien, I'm so proud of the work that you are doing. It's just incredible. I just tell everyone about you and then it's like takes the first bite of the food It's like, "Oh, Nancy, this meal is just amazing. These are the best fajitas I've ever had. You have to give your mom the recipe. Oh, my goodness. How did you do this?" And you're like, Oh my, are you for real? You know, like I mean, so that's 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 dinner with Nancy's family. The first time Nancy comes to my family's house years ago, when (laughs) we were dating, she comes over for dinner for to Georgia for we're still in the dating stage. Um we sit down, I think maybe we prayed for the meal. Maybe. First thing my dad says is, where's the hot sauce? This needs some more flavor. And then my sister says something kind of snarky. And he just goes, Katie, you're a screw up. You'll always be a screw up. You're nothing, you'll be nothing but a screw up. Nancy's jaw's like on the floor, like, <laughs> who talks to people like this at the dinner table? So <laughs> clearly, control of the Holy Spirit. I don't speak venomous things. I don't like, you know, control. I don't, I don't speak harsh, mean things. But at the same time, I wasn't saying anything. So we get married. She makes a meal. And I don't compliment it. And she's sitting there waiting. She's gotten compliments all her life, waiting for a compliment. My compliment is I got seconds. That means I liked it. That means I wanted more. And she's sitting there waiting for a compliment, right? And so, yeah, anyway. So we, we need to be more free with these words. We need to be able to share what is there. And like, when, I, when I look at those two conversations of my family, and her, which one is life and which one is death? Which one is is giving words of affirmation, encouragement? Which one is saying, hey, hey, I believe in you. Hey, which one inspires you to want to continue on the path that you are going? See, speaking encouragement to other people has been an area that I've been growing in and, and, and using words to build other people up. Because we can either use them to build them up or to tear them down. And I believe that God has given us this tongue and this mouth and our way to text and our facial expressions and our way of loving people to to, to encourage others to good works, to push them on in good works, to be there with other people. Listen, think about it. God loves the people in your life so much that he puts you in their lives. Think about that. God loves the people in your life so much that he's placed his Holy Spirit inside of you and placed you in that family that might be dysfunctional. He's placed you amongst your coworkers that might have attention. He's placed you in your neighborhood. He has placed you there because he loves them so much and he wants your, his love to shine through you. He wants you to be that encouragement in life their lives and he gave you a tongue and a mouth and lips to say things to speak life to speak life because man have you ever when you're on the receiving end of encouragement it's amazing right I mean, I I love to be encouraged now. I have people that, like, are my encouragers. Like, you know, and and many in this room send me, like, encouraging texts or give me a call and encourage me in different ways. And, like, man, that just gives, like, ooh, okay. You know, like, I like that. Like, man, I was down. I had a hard day. Someone saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I really encourage this. Man, it gives you life. It encourages you. When someone says, I appreciate you, it puts a little fuel in the tank. And then now it makes me want to turn around and encourage others. So what God has also opened in my life in these last few years is to be able to be a coach and a pastor, kind of like in praying, friend with other guys that are church planners, guys that are starting churches. And they're they're like, the thing that's on my heart of encouraging them and speaking to them and and, and speaking life into their their marriages, speaking life into their, their ministries. And I had this one friend that was just going through a really tough season. And he called me up and he was just like, my goodness, I feel like I'm a terrible leader. I've had a, the third leader in our church fall into, like, sexual sin and, like, big issues going on. And, man, do, what, where, what is going on? What is my problem? Like, here's this other one. These people were leaders, and then they come and tell me that they had an affair. And he's just, like, he's just, like, down on himself and, like, just, I don't know if I've got what it takes. And you just sit there and you listen. You listen. You listen with the Holy Spirit wants to use your mouth to speak encouragement. I just go, hey, God has put you in this, these people's lives because he loves them so much. And guess what? They've come into your ministry, into your church and they have brought the most ugly sin that they could bring and they confessed it and they're asking you to walk with them and they're not in a place of hiding and hey, you get to minister to them. So even this bad situation turns into something good and he's like, oh my goodness, wow. Talk to him two weeks later, he's like, wow, I'm still on a high from how you encouraged me last time, and listen, that's not about me, that's about the Holy Spirit speaking through us, because I encourage them, they encourage me with how I encourage them, turns around, I've got more go-go juice in my tank, and I want to, next time a guy calls me and needs encouragement, I'm remembering that it encouraged someone else, and how it encouraged me, and it's like this ongoing thing of these words that we're supposed to use for giving life, to give life, that God loves those people enough that he puts you in their lives. So your lives, your words, your actions, they can either give life or they can bring death. They can give life or they can bring death. And, and it, it's really odd. I think a lot of us maybe are, are prone in our culture towards sarcasm you know, and, and there's ways of like, oh, it's cool, I can pick on him, you know, we're just sarcastic and joking all the time, and, and that, that, there's a place for that, and there's fun for that, but sometimes I think like we're kind of hiding something else underneath the surface of like what we really want to say or how we really want to affirm someone, and, you know, and, and, it, and sometimes it can just straight up be, be rude, and, and you're known for your kidding around, and you're joking with other people, and, you know, but some of those things that we say, we can't just scrub them away, like it makes an impact on people's lives. When you just send out that email or that text with, just because you're angry, you just got to get it out. And you hung them out to dry, and you just used your words like bullets in a gun. You know, right? like those words that you use. And I could have picked up 20 verses about words. I'm looking at them the other night, and I was like reading through them, like there's so many verses about the words that we say. I just want to share a few with you. Ephesians 4:29 says this, watch the way you talk Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Each word that you use is a gift. I want you to stop and think about that when you talk to someone. Are my words like a pretty wrapped present that someone is excited to get? and excited to open. Is it that? Is my, are my words a gift, or are my words more like Billy Madison brown bag on fire in front of the doorstep, right? You know, like wh- wh- which, 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 which kind of gift are we giving people when we use our words? Are we using words of life, or are we using words of death? Again, things that I've been learning through this in my, in my words, and, and speaking, and Welcome to my therapy session. Each one of you guys should preach. It's like, great. You have to like work through all of this stuff and then share it. So um, here's my therapy couch, right? So uh, just a short time ago, uh, I kind of had this realization with some help from my wife, helping point it out in the Holy Spirit, um, is that my, my daughter is, is coming to an age of, you know, of, of and Nancy growing up at home where she was affirmed so much and my daughter Jade needing that af- affirmation and reading about how girls, like, you know, their dad should be the first one that tells them that they're beautiful. Their dad should be the one that's the most proud of them. Their dad should be the one that dotes on them before any guy comes along to do that. And my, but yet my daughter Jade and I, like, we ha- she like, gets my corny dad jokes. She gets my sarcasm. Boys, it's, they're, they're not connecting, you know. But we have this, like, bond and, like, joking around. But I started to see that I was sarcastic with her even in when I would compliment her. And I would be, like, kind of joking around with her in different ways, ways. but I wouldn't just, like, separate it and just speak of how I'm proud of her and how I think she's beautiful. And I had to, like, deliberately, like, change, and I'm still working on it, of, like, change, of, like, just not being a joking around kind of thing, but actually using my words and speaking life to her. And I wonder how many of us need to course correct, that we've fallen into habits that we don't even know are there with our spouses, with our kids, with other people that were close to us, that we love, that we have stopped using the words that God has given us to give. And we say, oh, you know, he's like one of those people like, I told my wife I love her when we got married. I'd let her know if anything changed, you know? Like, no, they, they need to hear it more. They need to hear those words of affirmation and those those caring. So what gift are you giving someone? Like, okay, Damien, that's great, but I got some difficult people in my life. I got some people that I believe God has put me there to call out their stuff. I believe God is putting me in a position to bring up some and address some difficult topics, and some people need some wake-up calls, and I'm the one with the bell to wake them up, right? How many of you guys feel like that, right? So here's what Colossians 4, 6 says. Let every word you speak, listen to this, let every word you speak be drenched with grace. What is grace? Thanks for asking. It's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Grace is not something you deserve. It's grace. It's so you cannot rationale it. When you read that, that speak to everyone drenched with Grace, you can't rationale of like, well, you don't know. I'm allowed to talk to them like this because you don't know what a jerk they are to me, and I'm allowed to be mean. Nope, that doesn't work with grace. See, the thing about grace is that it levels the playing ground. We're all equal because we all need grace, especially for those that are believers in this room that have received the grace of Jesus. We are, we are just, like, here to receive. Like, we have messed up. We've come short. It is nothing but the grace of God that we are saved, so we are equal, so we have been given grace to give it to others. The thing is, most likely the people that you're having these tensions with and all this stuff, they desperately need the grace. That's why they're possibly acting the way that they're acting. That's why they're responding the way that they are. So let your words be drenched in grace. And it says this, the second part, says, tempered with truth and clarity tempered with truth and clarity. Yes, there's times for difficult conversations. Yes, there's times to say, hey, that was rude. You hurt me. Hey, we need to change this. Hey, we need to do this. Hey, as a friend, I see you heading in this direction. I see you making a habit in this direction, and I wanted to say, I think that this is holding back from who God has called you to be. I believe that this is holding you back from who Christ has, his identity on you. There's times, there's moments to have those conversations, but I'm telling you, when we leave with grace, it Changes everything because the natural reaction to correction is rejection. Right? You start to correct me, and I want to reject it. I want to make excuses. I want to tell you why it's not right. Oh, you think that? Let me tell you what I think, right? But when we lead with grace, when it's saturated in grace, that causes the walls to come down. It causes it to be received in a way, and it's no longer about these making excuses. And it lets that love of Christ come in. All right. So your words impact other people. Words impact other people. Number two, your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. Think about the ways that we hear about the words throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, from the very beginning in Genesis, how did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. He spoke it. And then we read in John chapter 1 about the incarnation of Christ coming. The most important moment in history for each one of us is that the word became flesh. Jesus is the living word. So beginning, like the, the power of words, I need you to understand this. And that this is that, this is that tension, that beautiful, amazing, challenging part is that we are made in the image of God, and we are given the ability to communicate and to speak. Now, our words are not as powerful as God, but we are given ability with our words. We can create. We can tear down. We can build up. We can heal. We can hurt with our words. I just want to remind you that God hears you all the time, not just when you're praying. He hears you all the time so when you are going about your day saying Oh my gosh, this is just a terrible boss. I can't believe this guy is my supervisor. It's just awful. This teacher is just the worst. I can't believe this next semester I got the worst teacher in the entire school. And then you get in your car and like, man, why do I have to drive such a little crappy car? And, you know, everybody else has got a nicer car. And then you come home and you look at your kids and they're so ungrateful and entitled. And there's my lazy spouse not doing things. And there's my cruddy little house and all this stuff. And, you know, and God's just like... Okay, if that's how you want to label it, if that's how you want to perceive it. Remember in Genesis also, Adam is there and he brings all the animals and he tells Adam Adam to name the animals. And whatever he named them, it stayed. That was the name. So in your situations, he will allow you to label and to speak into existence and it will stick. Your words have power. If you want to label your situation like that, it'll stick. So if you talk like that and you act like that, consequently, what are you going to have? You're going to have a terrible encounter with your boss. You're going to have a terrible encounter with your teacher. You're going to have to endure driving around in your crappy little car. You're going to be angry and frustrated and just point out all the spots where your kids are ungrateful and your spouse is lazy and your cruddy little house and all this stuff, right? Because you will feel how you speak and you will find what you seek. You will feel how you speak. Your words have power. They have power. An ability of sticking. I'm sorry for all the crap talk. Just got a little. Next week, none of that coming out. Only what is wholesome is coming out of this mouth. Good, necessary for edification, building people up, right? Just got a little excited there, right? So, but, because words are a gift. And I don't want it to be a burning bag. I want it to be a gift. So, the words that are, the point is, the words that are coming out of your mouth are changing you. They're changing you, and they're either speaking life or death. And yes, are they having impact on your children? Yes. Are they having impact on your coworkers, on your family members? Are they, are, yes. Is there a possibility that the words you speak will cause someone one day to have to go to therapy and then eventually bring all that stuff to Jesus, or the better return is to bring it to Jesus first and deal with it? You know, but, but those things, those th- are, are your words having effect on other people? absolutely but at the end the one who received that not just the ones that received your salty comments your statements on social media stuff is that you are changing in the process and the words are impacting you more than anyone else why is that because practically speaking you're hearing your words anyone else And then, of those other 5,000 words, you're mummering and talking to yourself and saying things out loud. And you are the biggest voice in your head. A majority of talk is self talk, they say. There's self talk and there's external talk. But if you add it all up, that's a lot of just words that we are saying to ourselves. And Jesus says, Those words, they defile you. That's not life. It's not joy. That's not the peace I have. And yet this is the tension of this is this. I declare war on my sinful flesh person, my old self and my new self. Because Jesus is saying to your new self, hey, look, those things defile you. That's not who I want you to be. That's not how I made you. But your old flesh, this is the rub. This is the tension of what we're talking about in this declaring war about this old self. It's like that old self is saying, yeah, it feels good. Come on, say it again. Do it again. It's like the kids in the back seat. Daddy, do it again. Take another sip. And you're like, but your spirit man needs to rise up within you. And when your spirit man gets stronger than that fleshly desire, when your mind is set on things above, you start going, what? why would I want to taste the nasty, melted, frosty with other stuff in it because it defiles me? And we start seeing our words the same way that I don't want that stuff because it defiles me. And it's a new perspective and a new change. We're not even tempted anymore. But that, that's that defeating that flesh, walking in the spirit. Some of you, some of us, we just need to get so sick and tired of that old lying voice in our head That brings you down and says all this negative stuff that's constantly berating you, constantly saying these things and pointing out your mistakes and your flaws and all this negative stuff. And you just got to look at it and say, whose side are you on, voice in my head? Like, whose side are you on? Like, are you, are you even for me? Do you even want me to do well? Because when I compare the voice in my head and the voice that's trying to tell me all these negative things, and I measure it up to what the Word of God says and what God says about me, I go, yeah, that voice in my head, you're the worst. Yes. You're terrible. You are like that nasty, defiling drink that you do not want to drink. Yes. You don't want that. What side are you even on? And then guess what? I gave you permission to fire yourself. Yes. Just fire yourself. to say, just say you, have, you have been fired because you are the worst critic of myself and the world around me. I'm firing you as a critic and then turning around and I'm hiring the spirit man inside of me as my coach. Because that Holy Spirit wants to come inside you and lead you and guide you and call out the truth of who you are. That spirit man, that spirit woman inside you says, come on, be my coach. You get the difference between a critic and a coach? A critic just sits on the sideline pointing out all the mistakes, all the problems, all where you came short and just like lays all this heavy stuff on you, all this negativity, this passing judgment. But a coach is in your corner. The coach cares about you. The coach is there when you're down. The coach gets on the bus and rides home with you. You know, whether win or lose, whatever, he is there with you. He cares about, it. he has blood, sweat, and tears invested. The coach cares, he's saying, come on, I know you fell. I know you slipped up. I know you let that thing come out of your mouth, but guess what? We're going to set a plan up for next time. You might have messed up, but you're not going to stay down. You might have gotten knocked down, but you're not staying down. Come on, this is this training, this is that pain. Come on, we're going to rise up, that spirit man, build him up. That voice inside of you wants to lead you. We see the truth of the lie. We see that that it defiles us in these things. And that Holy Spirit rises up. And it's like what Isaiah 30 says right here. Isaiah 30, 21 says Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Mandalorian friends out there? Nobody. (laughs) This is the way. This is the way to walk in it. That voice will be telling you this, choose life, not death. Choose life, not. And then that's where it connects to the speaking encouragement to other people. When you know who you are and you know the words that you have to speak, now you get to speak it to others. Again, we're having this marriage workshop. There's going to be great things in there. But listen, sometimes... Spouses and the ones that we love the most, we voice the most of that mummering, that, that, that negative stuff around us, around the ones that we love the most. And so when you hear someone in your family, your spouse, saying, oh, look at this wrinkle. Oh, I'm getting so old. Look at the spare tire I have. Oh, I'm a terrible mother. You just look at them saying, say, don't talk about my wife like that. When, 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 the de- when, when husband comes, oh my gosh, I'm too stressed out. I can't handle this. I'm a terrible father. He said, don't talk about my husband like that. And we start calling out those lies that our spouses are believing, that our kids are. If your kid comes home saying, I can't do this. Don't talk about my son like that. Don't talk about my daughter like that. And we start speaking life and encouragement to them. Don't talk about that. Don't listen to that voice. We learn to speak life to each other. changes the atmosphere. So our words are powerful. Our words impact people. Number three is the attitude of gratitude. In all of your 5,000 words that you use every single day, possibly the most powerful, important thing that you can say is thank you. Thank you, God, for this life thank you, God. It puts a smile on your face. Thank you, God. This changes my perspective. You, instead of all that cruddy talk, right, that we talked about there, instead of all that terrible stuff, you can, you can start to have this positive, God, I thank you that I have a boss. Because I have a boss, that means I have a job. Thank you, God, that I have that. God, God, thank you for my teacher because I get to go to school where that's not a given for the entire world that they get to get educated and move their life forward. God, thank you that I don't have to depend upon public transportation and I do have this little car and I'm gonna use this car to the best of its ability until you press me with something else. God, thank you for my spouse that I get to call out the best of who they are. I get to call them out and I get to encourage them. Thank you, God, that that I have a home, that I'm not homeless. And you start like changing that perspective and it's like, it changes when you read this and what it tells us to fix our eyes on because it's easy it's normal it's simple it's easy to play the comparison game and look around what you don't have but setting your mind on things above first Thessalonians five eighteen says this give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus enter his presence with thanksgiving in your heart thank not just thanksgiving not just on thanksgiving day that's not just a thanksgiving day verse that is an everyday verse thank you god for what you have done in my life thank you god clap your hands all you people sing unto the lord shout unto the lord have an attitude of gratitude listen the coolest thing is that i read about this was that what it can change when we change our perspective when we change this way of being thankful and looking at things one of the number one reasons that people take antidepressants is to release in their system, dopamine and <coughs> uh, serotonin. And Studies have actually showed that when you say simply thank you, when you simply have a heart of gratitude, those two things spark. Those two things spark inside of you. So I'm not saying that's your cure, is I'm just gonna say thank you. For, you, you pray about what God said, but why not? Couldn't we all use a little bit more of that? A little bit more of that fighting off that depression, fighting off that sadness, fighting off that depression by simply having a heart of gratitude. And we look at God, would you guys stand with me? We fight off that heart of entitlement. We fight off that heart of comparison. How many of you would be honest with me? with me myself, and say, I have not used my lips, my mouth, as a gift. I have not used it every day to speak life. It's been moments when I've used it to tear others down to make myself feel better. God, I've used it to spit venom instead of life. God, I want to be kinder to my family, Lord. I want to be sweeter and kinder to my wife, Lord. I don't want to tear people down. I don't want to to listen to that voice in my head. Instead, I want your Holy Spirit speaking in me, saying, This is the way. This is the way that you are to go. This is the strength. Yes, saying thank you is important, but I think first, <laughs> even above that, is saying Jesus. <laughs> saying Jesus with your mouth and saying Jesus, you are my Lord. You are Lord of my heart. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord. Of, you are my Savior, and you, Lord, are going to be not just to not to save me for salvation, for when I go to heaven, Lord, but you are Lord of how my life is ruled and reigned today. Lord, you are the giver of life. You are the giver of salvation. You've placed your Holy Spirit within us to have the power and the ability and the authority to do what you've said, Lord. Lord, that we don't have to feel condemned, Lord Jesus, but Lord, we can feel empowered by the Holy Spirit that you're working through these things. God, I thank you. If there's someone in this room that you just, you just need to confess, Lord Jesus, I've, I've used my mouth in the wrong way. I've tore people down. Stood in the way of what you've wanted me to do. And you've... got I just pray for every single person here, Lord, that they would feel challenged. And on, this, on the other side of that challenge, Lord, they will receive your grace your empowerment and your authority to be able to do what your scripture and what your word has challenged us to do. We don't walk out feeling more weighed down and beat up, Lord. But we say, God, we confess our sins, Lord, that we have used our mouth, that we have defiled ourselves, Lord, with the words that we have spoken. And we thank you that today is a new day, that those are forgiven, Lord Jesus. And what is in the past is forgotten, Lord Jesus. And from now on, Lord, we want to use our mouth as a gift, Lord, to speak life, to speak encouragement, to stir one another on in the work that you have for them. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we proclaim victory in this area of our lives. Lord, there's people that have wrestled for years in this area of controlling the tongue. Lord, so we ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us victory today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you guys sing this song with us before we close of claiming victory over those thoughts, over your mouth and the words that you speak by proclaiming who he is and the victory that he has for each one of us.